You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Welcome to the 602 Club, Track FM's local watering hole. I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me is she's almost every single week fresh off of Dragon Con, the Queen of Dragons herself, Christy Morris. I believe it's the mother of dragons, but I'll take queen oh, oh, too. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I, I just, I, you know, I didn't know um, if Daenerys would get, you know, jealous if I called you the mother of dragons, you know? Oh, so okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was great. A uh, lot of Star Wars content coming out of that. Um, we had some funny things happen with a, a cardboard cutout of a FedEx man. I highly suggest going to Dragon Con if you get the chance. Yeah, it's it's really fun. I was I was sad to miss it this year. Um, with as busy as this year was, it just wasn't in the cards to go. So, mm-hmm. um, but we're so excited to be here because we're going to be continuing uh, talking about the Cloverfield series, and we're going to uh, hit up Ten Cloverfield Lane. But uh, before we dive into the movie. Quick reminder, of course, that you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, honestly, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, type in the 602 Club and you'll find it. Subscribe in any of those places. If you're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, hit us up with a star rating review too. Let people know what you think of the show and uh, that'll help us too grow. Uh, the more reviews we have, uh, the easier it is for people to find us in iTunes and that's still where people get most of their podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at TrekFM, Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. There's a listeners-only discussion group where you can talk to listeners from all over the world who listen to TrekFM. It's called the Babel Conference. You can find that on Facebook by typing Babel into the search field. Or if you're on the website at Trek.fm, hit discussion on any of the show pages. There's a little button that says discussion, and that will let you in as well. You can send us an email at uh, Trek.fm slash contact. You choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and that comes to Christy and I. And then last but not least, we really want to say thank you to our associate producers here through Patreon, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Wyatt Millett, and Daniel Noah. They've been supporting the show for a long time, and they make sure that this show and every other show here on the Trek FM network keeps coming to you each and every week. Uh, it is a, a very expensive thing, as you can imagine, most likely to put together a network of this size with the amount of shows we have coming out. And so uh, Patreon is the way that you can make sure that all of those shows keep coming to you. And we ask you to consider supporting the network so you can keep getting this amazing quality content for free. Uh, and any little bit helps, honestly. Um, but we also have some great contribution levels, so you can go over to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you could become part of our team and make sure that all of the shows here on the network keep coming to you. So, um, Christy, I was thinking about this uh, as I was kind of uh, thinking about this movie, and I wanted to know, so when this movie came out, um, one, did you realize that it was connected with Cloverfield? I mean, it's got Cloverfield in the title, but... Mm -hmm. um, And... Did you, was this a movie you were excited about? Did you go see it in the theater? 
Um, cause I, to me that was, I was just like, oh, I can't even remember if I saw this in the theater. Yeah. I, I kind of missed this one. Um, when it first came out, it was in 2016. Um, and I, I don't remember what I was doing. I think actually, no, that was, a uh, the beginning of my like huge foray more into podcasting with Star Wars and stuff. And, you know, had just met you guys in 2015, um, at Dragon Con. So I think I was pretty busy, um, and I didn't see it in the theater, but I did think it was possibly connected to Cloverfield just because of the name. Um, and actually just ended up finding out about it later um, because it, I don't know if it like appeared on my Netflix or somewhere like on a streaming service. I saw it maybe to rent and ended up watching it and went, oh, wow, this is incredible. And so then I dug deeper. What about you? Yeah. Um. So I was thinking about, this and I was like, I I didn't see this one in the theater, and I was I was thinking about why, like, what was it? And I think part of it was that I saw the trailer for this movie, and you know, I'm not really like a horror type person. Oh yeah, me neither. Um, so I think that this the trailer for this movie looked a little horrific, and uh, at least the way they portrayed it in in the trailer. And so I kind of just stayed away from it because I, I felt like, oh, this probably isn't going to be my thing. And um, and then, you know, like you, it, it's something that I ended up watching later because people recommended it and saying, oh, it's not really a horror movie. It's more suspense. Mm-hmm. It's more in kind of like that Hitchcockian type of suspense to like, you know, uh, things are building, things are suspenseful and you don't really know. Um, you know what's happening, but it's not necessarily like a horror movie. And so I was like, okay, well, I love Hitchcock movies. And so for me, it was really interesting because watching this movie, it kind of reminded me a little bit. I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, movie North by Northwest with Cary Grant. No. But there's a movie with him where he kind of, he wakes up and all of this stuff is happening to him. Um, and he get, wakes up after almost being killed by being run off the road on purpose um and all of these things keep happening to him because um all the shenanigans and i don't want to give it away because it would ruin the movie but Mm -hmm. it kind of reminded me of this movie where it's like all of these things keep happening to a character who's woken up after an accident somewhere and they're they're trying to unravel exactly what's happened to them Mm -hmm. so I think to me that's what kind of got me in with with the movie and watching it for the first time I was like oh this is this reminds me of that and I think you know for the most part I'd say that it's just it's a movie that that builds that suspense really well and it keeps you asking questions mm-hmm. um, and it it's also a movie that I don't think um, it doesn't leave you hanging in the sense like it doesn't not answer the questions that are most important for you to feel satisfied by the end of it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I, and I too, um, to stem off of what you're saying, the similarity to it to like Hitchcock kind of films, it reminded me as well of maybe, um, I don't remember who did Kiss the Girls. I think it was a John Grisham book and then became a movie. Yeah, yeah. But I love that kind of drama, suspense, thriller kind of movie instead of a gory horror movie. So this kind of thing is totally up my alley. And I read a lot of mystery and murder mystery books growing up as well. So I, this was my kind of thing. Um, but I was worried like you were when I when I saw the description and everything that it was going to be too horror, but ended up watching it to see. Um, mm-hmm. And 
you know, it was pleasantly surprised, but I do like that it's, you learn later that it's part of this Cloverfield universe, but it's not directly a sequel and it's not the exact same story. Um, and I mean, or the same filming style. And I think that's a great thing to, to kind of talk about. Like, you know, we're a part of the Cloverfield universe, but we're our own thing. Mm-hmm. And I think you're absolutely right that that one of the things that has made this interesting so far it, in this this kind of Cloverfield um, playground is the fact that each movie feels like it's its own its own thing where you know like you said the filming style is different in each movie um, but the type of story is also different in each movie although uh, there are still some similarities here like where there is something happening to our main character Michelle to which she can't quite put her finger on like mm-hmm. why all of it's happening um, the same kind of thing with our characters in the first movie like you know this alien attack why is all this happening there's there's not a lot of answers to necessarily the why of everything right um and so yeah i think and and then of course the very end of the movie where we realize oh we're we actually really connected because they kind of allude to the fact that these uh, attacks are actually are happening all over the place yeah i loved that reveal the first time seeing this movie that you're thinking at first when you're watching this okay so i guess it's just a suspense movie so why is cloverfield included in the name how are they related i thought this would be sci-fi then you're like oh man so maybe it is sci-fi and howard's trying to tell um this girl, Michelle, that there's been an alien attack and you can't go outside because the air is contaminated and everything. Um, and then you get duped again. And um, it's like, well, he was right, but he is also a murderer. And it's like, oh, great. So my chance for survival is I'm stuck in the ground mm-hmm. with a murderer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a good. Like, so on the on the story side of things. How did how did you feel uh, about the way that they told the story and and especially with you know the way the reveals come in the sense that you know it's not that Howard is a liar mm-hmm. it's just it doesn't it it's just that just because he's telling the truth about what's going on on the outside doesn't necessarily mean he's telling the truth everywhere right and the or that he may not just be like clinically insane like that right. he doesn't seem to be a premeditated murderer that just like gets his kicks out of it. It seems like he's deeply disturbed on some level and like, you know, keeps telling Michelle that this random girl was his daughter and it turns out he trapped her and killed her too. I don't know. What did you feel? Yeah. Um, I think the thing that I really appreciated about the movie was the fact that, you know, you I feel like this type of movie in this type of character with Howard, you end up with people like them just being pathological liars. And so everything that they're saying is kind of a lie. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like split, you know, oh, like, yeah. you know, that kind of thing where he's telling them one thing, but he's not really, you know, so, um, but the fact that he tells the truth a lot of the time makes it more difficult to figure out what the lies are. Right. 
And so you're constantly and, guessing. Yes, yes, yes. And and so like that moment in the film, especially the first time you see it where, you know, she escapes and she gets up to um the the door and she looks through the window and that woman is dying in front of her basically, you know, and going crazy at the same time. Yeah. And there's this resignation in her that oh howard is not lying to us like he's telling the truth right yeah he might be weird but he's also not actually lying and so there's there's this there's this whole thing throughout the movie of you trying to unravel is he really lying is he telling the truth you Mm -hmm. know and they keep planting ideas in your mind to support both Mm -hmm. throughout the film which is great you know but then the the major reveal at the very end that of the story of no he actually was telling the truth there has been a crazy alien attack um and they are you know it's not necessarily that they're bombing but they are laying waste to humanity Mm -hmm. um where they find them Uh, so there is a chance of, of you you know getting gassed and dying um but at the same time like you said he is a liar about the fact of this other girl and kind of really the main reasons that he has them down there yeah um are not really altruistic he's he is deeply disturbed and most likely a you know um somebody who relies on stockholm syndrome for you know women to kind of like give him what he wants yeah but it but it doesn't come across like he wants to take advantage of her like physically or anything like that it it seems like maybe he did at some point possibly have a daughter and for some reason doesn't anymore um because it mm-hmm. you know now she's the second girl he's had in there mm-hmm. but then it raises all those other creepy questions of you know when she climbs up to the um attic area where only she can fit to fix the air filter and sees mm-hmm. that help me is scratched with fingernails on glass and then you're going, well, why did he kill her? So I just story wise, I kind of thought that the moment that he kills Emmett, that, you know, he shaves mm-hmm. and he puts on nicer clothes. So I got the feeling like that he was hoping that this thing would go somewhere. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point, so. actually. Why would he do that if it was like a father daughter relationship? So, uh, yeah, and I think I think that, you know, uh, I think that's the thing. It's like you keep getting all of these kind of mixed signals throughout the story, mm-hmm. you know, about this character. And again, it's it's like, what is the truth and what's a lie? And I, you know, it, it's kind of it's a it's a really nice thing, I think, in the in the sense of, you know, story wise kind of makes me think of, of that whole thing throughout life in general, like we have to sift through the lies and the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is that in life? And, and finding out what that is, is not always easy. Uh, and so, um, you know, it really, you know, Michelle in this is, is a microcosm of that, you know? And so I really, I, I think the, the story and, and then too, in the story, and we haven't even talked about, but like, you have Emmett there to help confirm a lot of things about Howard that he said. Right. Uh, and, you know, that's another way where it's just like it keeps you guessing the whole time until it finally, like, kind of lets you know. I mean, the moment he shoots Emmett, you're, you're like, yeah, he's crazy. 
Yeah. And I was wondering even if it was going to happen earlier. You know, you can tell for a while when the three of them start spending more time together that Howard clearly does not really like Emmett being there. And Emmett himself said he forced his way in, that they had known each other because he got Emmett to help him build the bunker. But that other than that, they weren't like friends. And um, so he keeps kind of making... Howard keeps making the two of them feel like he adores Michelle and wants Emmett to just stop talking and go away. And so I was worried at the dinner table the first time when he's getting his temper riled up that Howard was going to shoot him then. Yeah. And uh, I think that's one of the ways where I was thinking that, you know, this, this movie is kind of saying that, you know, Howard wants this to go somewhere with Michelle because Uh, maybe, yeah. You know, again, Emmett's kind of in the way of that happening. And obviously, you know, it's never going to happen if Emmett's around Mm -hmm. because he's definitely much more uh, desirable than Howard. Well, and like, I mean, it, I love that she kind of catches on that maybe Howard is like jealous Mm -hmm. of the attention Emmett is getting from her and uses that to get the keys from Howard. Yep. But, oh man, makes him mad with that flirtatious moment. Oh, yeah. And I, again, that's, that's, I think the movie does such a good job of trying to uh, neither confirm nor deny the craziness of Howard Mm -hmm. and just how crazy he is. And if he is really crazy, um, and where the truth lies in what he's saying, um, and where the truth lies in the lies, yeah, you know, like sometimes because you know what's what's interesting about this is that you know Howard is one of those characters who tells like two truths and a lie, right? Some of it's always true, but you don't know what else is, <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. So you know, it, it's it's a it's a guessing game mm-hmm. uh, throughout the whole movie and i really i i think it's just it's one of the things that makes it so enjoyable even rewatching it you know a second time i was i was finding myself even even more engrossed in the movie than i think i was the first time and part of that is just like you you, you get the opportunity to start picking up smaller things throughout the film mm-hmm. um and so I'll, yeah i i really I think, you know, the story-wise, this movie is, is really strong. And I think it's one of those movies, too, like, it benefits for them not... Um, the story benefits from them not dragging this out. I mean, it's like an hour and 30-minute movie. So, uh, you know, they, they don't they don't try to make the movie more than it needs to be. This movie is exactly what it should be. Yeah, and and I like that they, like you're saying, kept it simple. I think that it was very interesting that it really just has these three or four characters and that's it, which is not common with a lot of movies. Um, And I, I like that they have this um, constant building tension to where finally the climax is Howard pulling out the barrel full of chemical acid and saying, you know, that he could use that to melt a human body and then, gets them to confess, but it ends up being Emmett taking the fall for both of them. And then he just shoots him. And then you know that he's about to put Emmett into that barrel of acid. Mm-hmm. And it just, I mean, that's when you just really start looking at your TV for the first time going, it's all clear to me now. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, so, you know, talking about the story being concise, I think it, it behooves us then to kind of like talk about the end because yeah. do you feel like the whole alien aspect is tacked on or do you feel like it, it fits the movie well? I felt like it could have fit a little better, but I think that it it did it was intentional, um, especially with them, you know, mentioning from the moment she gets, you know, woken up in Howard's bunker that there's been an attack outside and people are dying from the air being poisoned. Um, but I like that they they really focus on the primary story being all in the bunker. And and that the story is about, like you're saying, that she is trying to figure out what's a lie and what's the truth and has to figure mm-hmm. out what's really going on outside the bunker without ever leaving the bunker, I think is a really yes. great way to tell yeah. a story. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. Um, you know, I, I remember the first time being like, oh, okay. And and I felt like this is the way where they were trying to kind of really tie it in with, you know, obviously the Cloverfield aspect. Right. Um, but I, I, you know, watching it a second time, I actually, I liked it more because I felt like, again, it, it confirms that Howard isn't crazy in some ways. You know, in some he, ways. He's not <laughs> lying about everything. Um, and so I, I really appreciated that part. And... It was it was a better way of them having another tension scene than just Howard making it out of the bunker somehow, mm-hmm. which, you know, you kind of expect that to be the thing that's going to happen. And then, no, it's not that. It's actually the aliens that he said were there are actually here. Right. You know, and you're like, oh, Mother Francis, like, you know, you thought she was safe. Because she got outside and everything is okay, but no, there are actually are aliens here, and now it's even worse almost than it was in the bunker. Like, right? And you know, out of the frying pan into the fire. Yeah, but don't you love that she gets that vindication though of knowing she blew up the whole bunker? So thankfully, Howard's now gone, um, and she is able to have this suit that she made that actually works to protect her from the poisonous gas. And gets that beautiful mm-hmm. moment when the aliens actually try to capture her in his truck and she throws a Molotov cocktail in its mouth. Yes. Uh, what a waste of good scotch. No, just <laughs> kidding. Um, no, it, that was, that was great. I thought, you know, um, although she would never have survived that fall from that height. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty truck, hard so fall. That was, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think you're, you're right. I mean, it, for her as a character and, and with the story and, and tying in the aliens and everything, I, to me, yeah, it just works. So And she got to take her power back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and I think, you know, that's definitely a part of this. You know, it, it, a character like that who's been captured, um, you know, you, you feel bad for the fact that, you know, uh, Emmett doesn't get to live. You know, like, yeah. he... he he sat. He basically sacrifices himself trying to help her find a way to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, basically, he, in in many ways, he just kind of throws himself in front of the bullet. You know, like he he angers Howard enough so that that she will live. So yeah, the the cast, like you mentioned, this cast is really small. Um, and so 
what did you think of, um, you know, I mean, because really the only characters we have in the movie that matter are uh, Michelle, Howard, and Emmett. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that absolutely I did not expect for John Goodman to play the villain. Um, I, I guess maybe a little because I had seen him in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou as a villain. Um, but he really, this is a testament to the man's acting, which we knew was good before this, but wow, he can play all over the board. You know, I I think he's great when you first meet him in this movie as playing the gentle soul that's just trying to help a girl who he found on the road. And then later reveals, well, actually, I I did hit you. Um, But you know, it wasn't on purpose. I just was really trying to get home because there's been an attack and then I saved you. And then, you know, more things start coming out and, uh, you know, the whole jealousy he has between watching her with Emmett um, and then the ways that sometimes he kind of treats her like his daughter. And then when she tries to escape later after Emmett's dead and he, you know, just completely loses it, he he's incredible. I thought he was the best part of this movie. John Goodman, I, you're absolutely right. He just shows the the range he has and the fact, you know, he can play really funny people. Mm-hmm. Um, he can play, uh, you know, really um, goofy people, sarcastic people. Um, but here he plays somebody who is terrifying. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely agree with you. I think he just does such a good job with the character. And um, I really, I really love that, you know, like, because, you are like you you're never completely on his side right like you Mm -hmm. you but there are moments where you feel like oh maybe he's just like slightly deranged instead of completely deranged you know like (laughs) maybe it's not that bad um and then and then by the end you know no it it's full-on you know delusions of grandeur basically Mm -hmm. um and he really is an awful person uh and but I just love the way in which he keeps you kind of guessing the whole time for the most part. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a testament to, like you said, just, he, he really is a fantastic actor. Um, and the, the fact that by the end you really are truly terrified of this guy is, is perfect. It's exactly what you want. And then, you know, the way he goes out in a blaze of glory (laughs) (laughs) is perfect. It's just perfect. And, uh, you know, I was curious because I've not seen this girl, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, that I can remember in anything else. Uh, she's the girl who played oh, Michelle. Really? Yeah. I couldn't remember. No way. Did you, um, you've seen um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, right? Oh, parts of it. Okay, so maybe she's that's Ramona why. Flowers okay. in that. Um, and uh, she, let's see, what else she's in? Um, she looked familiar, know. and maybe that's why. Uh, she is on a movie called The Spectacular Now, which I really love. Um, she's also in Live Free, Die Hard. Um, she plays uh, Lucy McLean, his daughter. Let's see, what else? Uh, she's about to be in Birds of Prey. Um, she's okay. in Boy the Huntress. So, oh, um, I love that character. Yeah, she's been in quite a few things that I've seen her in. But okay. wow, I'm so surprised. That's great. So what did you end up thinking of her then? I, I thought that she was uh, every bit the match to John Goodman in this movie. I think that she um, really makes you feel like you're in her shoes um, as the viewer. Um, 
you know, you're watching her experience everything for the first time, waking up, trying to figure out what's going on, what's really the truth, um, trying to get to know more about Howard and Emmett, um, and then figure out if she can escape and if anything out there is what Howard says it is. Um, and I think that she really is great with that um, feeling of powerlessness and then taking her power mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. later and and being, I don't know, I guess I would say like she really just is thrilled with being able to take control of her own destiny, I guess I would say. Yeah. And especially yes. in the scene where she decides to make a left turn and go back to help other people during the alien attack. Yeah, I think the thing that she really brings to this movie that I really appreciated was her facial expressions. Um, you know, yeah. she, the, especially the moment where uh, she, you mentioned earlier where she finds, um, she's had to crawl up the ducks and um, she she gets everything working again. So she kind of breathes a sigh of relief. You know, this is the point in the movie where her and Emmett kind of have a, a, a experienced a bit of like oh so he really is telling the truth you know there has been this attack and um we we need to stay here and then she finds the scratchings on the window of help and the blood stain up there and an earring which matches a picture to which then Emmett says is not her his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, was not the woman that was actually his daughter because she she knows he knows her, and so I think all of that together, um, the facial expression of her seeing that that help is priceless. Like it's it's worth the price of admission because there's just this utter terror of her realizing, oh no, this guy is exactly what he we thought he was, which is BS crazy. Yes, well. And her expression when she thinks that he's making it up about the attack and sees this woman outside and then watches mm-hmm. the woman kill herself. Yes. yes. Oh, mm-hmm. that was terrifying. Yeah. yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, in that scene, too, she's just like she sells it to you completely like because after that, she's made the turn of like kind of, oh, oh we have to stay here, mm-hmm. you know, Um and her and Emmett seem to be trying to make the best of it. You know, it's it's not a great place to be, but it is where we it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So we'll just we'll we'll stick it out. Um, yeah, I th- I really enjoy her as an actress a lot. Um, she's I, I realize too she's also in the upcoming movie Gemini Man, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, the one with uh, Will Smith and his his clone. Okay, um, but I like her as an actress a lot. Um, I think she's really good. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to, to, I, I think she'll be great in Hunter, uh, as Huntress too. So I'm excited for that. And she does kind of remind me of, uh, like Lizzie Kaplan's character or, or Lizzie Kaplan as an actress from the first Cloverfield movie. Yes. Yeah. That just kind of like 100% dark broody <laughs> girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so John Gallagher is not a character that I are not an actor I'm really familiar with. Um, I, although I realized that he, uh, when I was looking him up, he'd been in the show Ed, which I loved back in the day with Tom Cavanaugh for just one episode. So I've seen him before. Um, but what did you think of his Emmett? I thought he was okay. Um, he seemed like at times he could have been a little stronger in the convincing me of 
how Emmett would feel in different situations. I felt like he seemed a little dry. Um, but I think overall still gets the point of cross of, you know, he's trapped down there too, but seems like he wanted to be there because he really believes Howard about what's going on outside. Um, and uh, I think he said uh, as a character that he had seen a, an alien ship attack or something himself and didn't just go by what Howard told him. Did you remember? I remember him saying that he, he saw something that he couldn't explain, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and it didn't look like anything he'd ever seen on this planet before. That's right. And therefore, he was he was believing then when Howard said it was aliens. Yeah. And then he said he forced his way in, and that's how he got his arm broken. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just, I don't know about you, but I, I felt like he was a, a little bit, I guess, dry. Like I said, is the best word I've got. That it, it was just kind of boring sometimes where he could have been a little bit more animated or um, convincing and different things in his delivery. That's really interesting. Um, I wouldn't say that I found him bland or, or anything like that. Um, I felt like he did what he needed to do in the movie. Yeah. But it wasn't as though he, um, I, I, I didn't feel like he shined anywhere in the, right. in the way that the other two did. Um, and, and maybe part of that is, is that, um, the other two are so good in the movie that anybody else just kind of looks like, eh, okay. Yeah. Um, and his role was very short. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. He doesn't have as large a role. Um, and you, I don't feel like you're supposed to be as quite invested in him as, as, as you are with, you know, um, Michelle and Howard in the end. Yeah. Like he, he he's kind I of to a say pawn. this, but he's always the, ex- yeah, he's always the expendable character, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, maybe I shouldn't be quite so harsh then. Um, but no, I mean, but, I, I don't think that's wrong to, I mean, if if you just felt like the, the, the actor um, didn't say it out to you in any way, yeah. I mean, maybe that's not a bad thing here with this one, but I mean, if if it, if the performance didn't speak to you, I mean, that that's totally, I mean, I think that's totally valid, you okay. know, so. Uh, so what did you think about the casting of the aliens? They do a good job? <laughs> oh, they were excellent. Um, really well done. Yeah. Um, actually, I was going to say for the most part, I think they did a good job. You know, this is a movie that, you know, didn't um, have a huge budget. So I think they did a really economical job on, on what they do with the aliens and everything. So that was great. Um, now, most surprising thing that I found out about this movie when I looked up uh, was the fact that the voice of her boyfriend on the phone is none other than Bradley Cooper. That is so weird. And especially that you never see his face or a picture of Ben as a character. It's just, you know, you see at the beginning that she grabs her stuff and leaves and then Ben's trying to reach her and you unravel what's going on. Is that basically they were married because she took a ring off and left um, and that I guess uh, they got in a fight over something and then she gets crashed into and taken into the bunker. So it's kind of sad because you wonder what happened that made her want to leave and then thinking that she's going to die and not have been able to sort things out with Ben. Um, But, you know, then, you know, even thinking about, is my family okay? Is Ben possibly okay from the attack? Um, So, I mean, he serves a good purpose, even though we don't ever see him, but I kind of wish that he had been involved more in some way. Yeah. Um, 
It was interesting. This movie is 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 again we talked kind of talked about the fact that it's very economical mm-hmm. um, in what it does, and so the fact that he never shows up again um, is interesting. And you don't really know. I mean. Uh, from their conversation when he's talking on the phone, you don't know what kind of fight it was. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you kind of are wondering, you know, how bad this fight was. Was it something that's really bad or, you know, is it true what he's saying where it's just, you know, like everybody has these type of fights, you know? So, um, but yeah, you are kind of left wondering if, if he's dead or alive, mm-hmm. uh, with the end of the movie. Um, so yeah. And, and then <laughs> crazy that they got Bradley Cooper to, do the the um recording there because i mean it's like what maybe a minute of dialogue maybe so maybe that's all they could pay him for no physical appearance just that (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) we just really like your voice bradley yeah um so uh, i want to ask you too before we kind of wrap up because i I think is the movie leaves you with her going towards houston Mm -hmm. um so you know and I mean, I know that the the Cloverfield Paradox, which we'll cover, um, doesn't involve, obviously, her. Um, But didn't this kind of make you want to see more of her story? It did. I mean, like, I really now want to go see her fight more aliens and be awesome. uh, Because clearly she's decided, instead of going to check on her family and things like that, which you would think naturally you'd want to do, she's like, you know what? No, screw these aliens. I'm going to help these other people that say they're over here toward the coast um, and try to take back Earth. And I'm just like, she's like a superhero to me now. I would love to see, like, Michelle versus the aliens. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm i'm right there with you i feel like this you know not every movie needs a sequel but it did create a character that i really enjoyed and i i felt like you know it would have been interesting for maybe the next cloverfield thing to involve her but again mm-hmm. in a completely different type of story and all so um but at the same time you know it's kind of neat to i mean we just Obviously, this isn't really a sequel to the Cloverfield. They call it kind of like a spiritual successor. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the, the fact that the, they're only loosely connected is great. Um, but it is kind of nice to be able to get a movie that doesn't have to be like that kind of franchise, you know? So uh, me saying I would like to see more also doesn't discount the fact that it's kind of wonderful to be able to pop in a, a modern movie that I don't have to watch 12 other movies you know, like you don't even have to have seen the other Cloverfield movie for this movie to yep. make sense or, or enjoy watching. So I think that's the biggest asset of all of the Cloverfield stuff is that you each one can stand on its own just fine. And you don't have to see all of the others to understand what's happening in any of them. Um, so I hope they continue to make more of them. Um, and clearly J.J. Abrams being involved, I think, has been a good thing. And um I like that each one is so different in the storytelling as well as the filming style and that they're left open-ended. At least these two have been so far. So, yeah, I mean, I I definitely hope we get to see more of them. Yeah, 100%. Um, So what what do you rate this one, Christy? Because it sounds like this is one that you are a big fan of. Yeah, I don't want to be like, you know, just throwing out hugely high rankings all the time just because but I I do think that this one totally deserves a nine out of 10 buckets of acid because it just it grips you I mean it especially from the moment that the truck hits her 
you never see that coming the first time you've seen this movie. And it's it just especially if you've ever been in a car accident as well. It's a jarring experience to then see on screen. So I think that it's incredible storytelling in a very budget friendly package um, that just happens to be really rewatchable as well. Um, So I give like I said, give it a nine out of 10 for me. I'm I'm right there with you. I, I honestly so I rewatched the movie uh, and then I went as I always do uh, to to Letterbox um, to to log the film and I th- the first time that I'd seen this movie I gave it three out of five and I feel like this movie has actually moved up for me. It's a four out of five. I, I'm right there with you. I think that the suspense of the film is great. Uh, I think it's a really well executed film and the acting is. Great wonderful Uh, and like we kind of mentioned it's a movie that's exactly what it needs to be and it's as long as it needs to be and it's it's i enjoy those type of films like you know um lots of times you can kind of like say oh man the movie was great but oh they cut out 10 minutes you know right but this is not one of those films yeah yeah so uh i i i mean yeah this movie moved up for me four out of five uh alien attacks uh alien gassings uh which is kind of weird you know um mm-hmm. nothing ro- worse than running into alien gas uh, so <laughs> yeah um but it's time for recommendations <laughs> and uh so this week christy i am wondering what uh you were going to be recommending uh mm, that's a good question maybe you go first and i'll think about mine Okay. A lot. So, um, now, uh, the 602 Club uh, schedule has already been filled for the fall. We had a lot, we got so much coming out um, that we're going to be doing. And so, uh, something that started on Netflix uh, that we'll be covering at the beginning of the year, because we just don't have time now, and it gives time to people to watch it. You know, you don't have to feel like you have to watch it all now. Um, but I started uh, Dark, The Dark Crystal age of resistance Ah. and it's been wonderful um i've the original movie we'll talk about that too then but um it's so wonderful to see something that's been put together with so much care and love Mm -hmm. because you know this is all a puppeted universe um so the work the craftsmanship is just impeccable uh it's just it, it I just I'm really loving it, and the storyline has been real, uh, really interesting so far. Um, and it's just really great to be in that kind of cared for universe where people puts they have, they're putting blood, sweat, and tears into it. So I'm really enjoying it. I've I've finished through episode three so far, and uh, it's it's a ten episode season. But it's I, so far just as puppetry goes, you know. Um, Jim Henson's group uh, has put this together, and it's it's phenomenal. So, uh, you know, it, the the masters behind you know making a character like Yoda um, to the screen, you know, the the work that they've done beforehand, you know, and and so many mil- movies like the Muppet movies uh, of old and stuff like that is it's just great. It's it's gorgeous. Um, and I, I just think it's I'm really excited to continue to watch it. So, uh, so far, uh, I would call it a recommend. So, okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, were you able to think of something that you wanted to recommend to everybody? Yeah. So, uh, sorry, I've had a lot of them. <laughs> so I've had to kind of try to narrow it down. Um, but I would say my one for right now would be, um, I don't know about 
people's like of watching um, really movies that are so bad that they're hilarious. But that's kind of my niche thing that I love that I don't always get to talk about. And I got to talk about it with someone at DragonCon this weekend. So I'm going to tell you, I recommend watching the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Because it's goofy sci-fi that uh, came out when George Clooney was a young man. He's in Return of the Killer Tomatoes. And it just these moments, especially with the dialogue that you just absolutely crack up laughing out loud. Um, it, they're a little bit, um, crass sometimes with the humor, so it's not for kids, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Basically about when tomatoes come to life and attack your town, what do you do? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, like I said, it's horrible, but it's so bad. It's funny. Well, and you know, uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes you just need that kind of craziness. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a, Excited uh, for uh, what we got coming up this uh, the rest of the year here with the Six Six Two Club. As I, I mentioned, uh, we got a jam packed schedule for you guys, and we can't wait to get to it. Uh, but Christy, you know, if anybody wants to talk to you about uh, you know Cloverfield Lane or anything else, uh, maybe your recommendations, uh, more recommendations for so bad it's good movies mm-hmm. where can they find you yeah you can find me on twitter and instagram at bespin bell and uh you can also talk to me of course in the babel conference about the 602 club um and then other things we're covering and if you want to listen to some other shows i'm on i actually other than 602 club every week i'm on every other week a show called sabers and spells with my friend Teresa delgado as we dive through Star Wars or Umbrella Academy or Stranger Things, uh, lots of geeky things we love. Uh, and then once a month, I do a show with five other women around the world called Planet Leia on the Fanthatrax Network. We just released our second episode. And uh, on the third one uh, will be my interview I did during Dragon Con with Annalise Ophelian of the Looking for Leia documentary. So you'll want to hear that for sure. Um, and then finally, once a month as well, I do a five-minute segment on my friend's show, The Star Wars Report, uh, where I talk about uh, fashion in five, which is men's and women's Star Wars fashion in five minutes. Well, you can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, and Vero under the name MattRushing02. Uh, I am here on the network. When we get a chance, Chris Jones and I talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine over on The Orb. I'm on the Nerd Party Network. I do two shows over there. One is called Outpost with Drea Kaufman, and that's where we talk about uh, Harry Potter one chapter at a time. In fact, we only have one chapter left of Order of the Phoenix, so really excited about that. I'm doing aggressive negotiations with John Mills. We talk about Star Wars each and every week. Uh, Had a blast talking about the idea of uh, Dark Ray. Uh, come in, yeah. So uh, check that out, and then uh, you can find me over on Cinema Stories doing um, films through the lens of faith with my good friend Courtney. But thank you so much for joining us, and y'all come back now. You hear. Mm-hmm.